Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Tom Marciano, 18 years of fire service experience, all volunteer. Currently the Assistant Chief with Chester Fire Department in Orange County, New York. Tom is also a 911 dispatcher and knows firsthand the ins and outs when it's related to emergencies within our field. Tom's message is simple. He wants to leave the job better than he found it. With that being said, I present Mr. Tom Marciano. My name is Tom Marciano. Uh, assistant chief with the Chester Fire Department and pretty much got into this at the age of 16 and uh, my volunteer firehouse up here. My current fire chief was actually also a fire chief when I was younger and I kind of looked up to him. I was good friends with his son. So whenever I was hanging out with him at the house or wherever we were and seeing him go on a fire call, that kind of gave me the inspiration. I didn't have anyone in my family that was in the firehouse. So that's kind of how I looked up to it, um, got involved. And the cool thing about it now is now that after, you know, him being the reason I joined to be able to work with him in the chief's line is actually pretty, it's a pretty cool situation for me. Yeah. I bet. I bet. That's, that's great. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, Chester fire department? So we are, a decently sized fire department, uh, 100% volunteer. We have three fire stations, um, all within different aspects of our town. Uh, station one, which is where I belong, we cover like the, the village area, a lot of uh, industrial and commercial and residential all mixing together. Uh, station two is covers like a small little hamlet. Um, they don't have much industrial or commercial, but they do have a small village, like an arts and crafts type village. Okay. Um, and they have a lot of decent sized houses and they also have our performing arts center. There. So that's the one big thing in the fire district that they do have in their area. Okay. And then station three is all residential. Um, there's nothing else out there. So interesting aspect though, uh, big houses, tight driveways. So a little difference in our fire department. We have a, like pretty much the whole district has covered a little bit of everything. Uh, mm-hmm. The lower village has three, four-story apartment buildings and whatnot and some taxpayers. So we have a little bit of everything in our little area. It's nice. Um, we run a lot of mutual aid to a lot of our neighbors who have a lot of the similar type stuff. So we catch a decent mutual aid work. Um, we have three engines, a rescue and a liar truck, and two tankers and some brush trucks. So we have a little bit of everything. Um, right on 17, which is the, th- the highway here. So we get a lot of motor vehicle accidents, um, a few pin jobs here and there. And it's, it's interesting. It's a good place to be because as I said, we don't, we see a little bit of everything. So you get right. some fire action, you get some act, you get some accidents. We get obviously automatic alarms with the wazoo, right? but we, we do see a little bit of everything. <clears throat> okay. Okay. And um what's the the roster size member uh yeah, roster size of your uh actively give or take among the three fire departments, I would say somewhere between uh 75 to 100ish if okay. I was to actually look at between the three companies. Okay. So <clears throat> each and company ranges somewhere between like 30 to 45ish or something like that. Okay. And uh 
approximate uh, run runs a year? Uh, last year we did five oh eight, I believe. Okay. So, and that's okay. been down a little bit. It was up before they put guardrails on the highway. We used to go out there all the time. Right. But that has since stopped because okay. they put the guardrails. So, but yeah, right. about five hundred. Okay. And uh, definitely all all true volunteer, no part timers, nothing like that. You respond Correct. from all home. You, you got a pager. You respond to the station to get the truck. That's it. Yep. Okay. All right. Okay. I can I can definitely um, attest that because that's pretty much how uh, how it still is, which is crazy. So let me ask you before we actually get started, because that is one thing that's I've, I've always thought. Does Orange County have any? volunteer departments that have part-time paid staff or is it truly all volunteer so there's one department city of middletown which has career firefighters who Mm -hmm. mainly drive the apparatus okay and then the volunteers kind of meet them at the scene um but they're not really just drivers like if they're getting there and they're on scene they're still stretching lines and stuff like that but they are the only combination department in the county okay and then um, City of Newburgh is all career. The Air Guard base at Stewart Airport is all career, and West Point is all career as well. Okay. <clears throat> do you think? And this is just just your opinion, but it, it it triggered in my head. Do you think counties like Rockland and Orange in 2023 can still sustain a true volunteer force, or do you think at some point? You know, a department's going to go. Hey, we're we're either getting retoned too many times, or or we're missing calls, and mutual aid departments are having to respond in where we need to look at doing at least part time. I think they can still. I think the love of the job is still there. They can still do a volunteer if they were to tweak it a little bit to make it more of maybe instead of responding whenever you want, which I mean you still could, but like. I'm going to guaranteed ride from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. today. Like, and that's where I'm going to be mm-hmm. available. So instead of guys getting their low set points that some departments do based on how many calls you make, maybe mm-hmm. based on how many hours you okay. do it that way instead. So like, you know, if I sat down at the firehouse for 24 hours, for whatever reason, and I didn't get a run, that's not on me. I did my time to get there. But I think if we could do it that way, it'd be a little bit better off. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so what would you say the culture is like within your department regarding pride training calls and camaraderie? Uh, it gets very wavy at times. Ebbs and flows like most. Yep. And I think a lot of that has to do with that. There's three companies. So with the three companies, you're always going to have the sibling rivalry there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he did this, she did this or whatever. Um, <clears throat> We try to do department drills at least once a month. This way, we're still somewhat on the same page with how we operate. Um, I'll be the first one to say it. Like our department has lacked with some operating guidelines over the last few years. That's one thing when I got into the line that I kind of wanted to change. And we're finally at that point where it's pretty much done. And now we can start working on training towards these guidelines so that when someone gets off the rig and you know, you're the irons guy, no matter what house you're in, you're going to be doing it the exact same way with the same exact equipment. So, um, for the most part though, when we are all together at some type of event, we're getting along. It's very, you know, there's always laughter. And we had a department drill this morning that worked out well. 
Okay. Um, so there's no animosity amongst us each other on the fire scenes. Just sometimes behind the scenes, you, you do still see it. Right, right, and and that's that's pretty much everywhere. So correct. I, I totally get that. Okay, okay. Um, so uh, now with three different, I'm just trying to make sure I have this right in my head. So with three different, uh, I guess you can call them ha- houses or companies. Correct. Three different, three different companies. Uh, you still have one chief that's over all three, right? Yeah. So the three chiefs come out from the companies. Um, and when you become a chief, you're obviously still a member of the company you belong to. Mm-hmm. But our job is now overlooking the entire department. Okay. Um, and then each house has their captains and their lieutenants. And then they handle the in-house stuff. And we just mm-hmm. handle the department level stuff. Okay. Okay. And um, is it on a term basis? Yeah. So we do technically they're one year terms and Uh you can run up to three years in a row in that position. Okay. So I did. No, go ahead. I did three years as second assistant chief Uh and now I'm on my second year as first assistant chief. Okay. And uh, they're all voted (laughs) by the members within the department, right? Of who they want to select. So the chiefs are voted on by the department and then the captains and lieutenants are only voted on by the company that they represent. Okay. All right. So pretty much just, I think it's just pretty, that's how Rockham does it too. Yeah. It's pretty much very similar. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so what would you say keeps you personally invested to stay positive and loving the job? Uh, honestly, stuff like this, uh, talking to like my individuals who are into the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I have definitely gotten a itch for the, training aspect of it okay. and I love seeing kids who are 16, 17, 18 years old join the fire service and like that they're into it. You know, they want to train, they want to learn. Um, we have a good group of kids in our department who are constantly texting us and they're like, Oh, like what is this going on here? And like for us, it's something we've all seen before. So you're kind of like, what do you mean? What is this? You know, but for them, this is new to them. So the fact that they're looking up to you and they want to know these questions, like that keeps me going too. And it gives me hope that the fire service isn't dead and right, right. <laughs> think people are on their way, but it's definitely stuff like that. Just sitting around a table, talking shop with the guys is just what keeps you going. Absolutely. Okay. No, I definitely, definitely get that. I mean, um, it is kind of a little crazy to, to think that, you know, you, you hear in some areas of the country that volunteerism is dead, which some places are, did definitely, they cannot 100%. find volunteers. But uh, the counties within Rockland, or the, I'm sorry, the counties within New York that I know of, they're still, which is why I asked that question, because it's 2023, you know, people can't, you can't just like work at, uh, I don't know, let's say you work at Sears or something and be like, hey, uh, boss, my page just went off. I got to go. I'll be right. back, though. Like, you know, we, you, can, you can't do that no more. Yeah. So nope. the, the, the fact that you still have departments that are still running true volunteer departments is, is a testament. Agreed. Agreed. And it's it's a good thing. And like I said, it's nice to see the kids. And there are departments around here that do say, you know, volunteers are dying. But at the end of the day, it's like, what are you doing to bring them in rather than just putting volunteers need on your sign? Like, are you doing anything else? Right. Or are you just saying we need help? Right. So right. It's it's sometimes up to the fire district themselves to say, hey, we need people. We need to figure out a way to bring them in. 
Okay. So if any of the listeners on here, let's say they, they are or know of a department that is struggling, what does what does your department specifically do to attract volunteers? Um I think it helps us a little bit because not that we're a crazy busy house, but we're busy enough that people are seeing us in in the streets. Mm-hmm. Um and we're keeping up interesting stuff with that we do drills sometimes in the lower village around people's houses and we've put something out on the internet saying hey we're gonna be here drilling don't be like nervous and if you want to come up to us and interact with us like just come up like we don't care if you bother our drill and sometimes that's bringing people in um the young kids help because some young kids at the school are doing it and then their friends see them doing it and that brings them in and they end up loving it so if i had a guess if i had to give a you know an opinion to anyone or some advice, I would say start with the school and see if the school has some type of program and maybe you can get younger members in there and stuff like that and start small and work off of that. Okay. All right. Uh, and with it, with an addition of being uh, an assistant chief, you also are a 911 dispatcher. <laughs> Correct. Uh, how long have you been doing that? Uh, that is 14 years. 14 years. Okay. Yep. And I'm assuming you dispatch fire, police, and EMS, all of it. Yep. I answer from now on phone calls, dispatch fire, EMS, and police. Okay. Um, so you, you could definitely, you can definitely relate or attest to, you know, firemen are gonna, are gonna complain and gripe. So, you know, I'm sure you've seen like memes or whatever of like firemen making fun of dispatchers who either won't answer the radio in, in a timely fashion or won't give you the information that, you know, when they pull up, it's something completely different. So can you explain what exactly, like how the process works for those that don't know? Because I can tell you, I have never, I think I've been to a 911 center once and it was back, at, uh, it was a while ago when I went to Charlotte station one has their dispatch center up upstairs. Okay. And so like you see, the calls that they're taking in. So just, just explain how that works. So it's funny you bring this up because we just kind of started a community relations thing okay. up at Nine One Center. And the biggest thing we're at now is departments in our county having their drill nights at our building and coming up for a tour and seeing how things work. And I always start off by saying, listen, I'm a dispatcher and I'm a fire chief. So any of the complaints that you have from the fire chief side, trust me, I have them. Like, I completely understand it. So we go through and we tell everyone and we show them pretty much like this is what's happening when you're not hearing from us right away or this is why things are getting dispatched out certain ways. So pretty much at our center, we have a program that we follow. It's kind of like a script. Okay. And person calls up and say they said their house is on fire. We ask the four main questions of what's the address, your name, your phone number and exactly what happened. The second that gets put in, it gets put into the system. We're paging out the fire department for reported structural fire. And as they're getting paged out by the fire dispatchers, the call takers are still updating information. So they're getting mm-hmm. information on the type of building. Is anyone inside? Where exactly is the fire? Or do you just see smoke or anything else that might be pertinent to the dispatch? So, okay. Sometimes they're like, uh, fire chief gets on, he calls on pretty quick, and he's like, you have more information on this? And, well, we don't because we're still trying to get it from the caller who's hysterically yelling and screaming that they don't have anything going on. So 
some departments that are coming up on these tours and they're fortunate enough to see something like this happening when they're up there, they're kind of getting a better understanding of like, oh, okay, like now I kind of see how this is. Or we only have two dispatchers on the fire desk. So there's an EMS dispatcher that sits with fire, but if they're busy, they got to do EMS stuff. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you're calling out responding. My partner's paging out someone else and I'm talking to another unit. Like we're not, you're, like, you're going to have to hold on a few seconds. So by bringing them up, it's kind of giving them an overlay or an overview, I should say, of how it actually works. And I think it's benefiting and it gives you a better idea going into it. I always thought that in order to do the job and be good at the job, you should know all aspects of the job from basic firefighting to at least a little bit of technical rescue stuff. And then even the dispatching aspect of it, this way, you know, all functions of how the job gets put into place. Right. Right. Okay. And, and, and your opinion only, do you feel like 911 dispatch centers are having to do more with less? Uh, yes. Okay. Yep. We have, um, from, our day tour, so from a 7 a.m. to 11 p.m., we have an EMS dispatcher, two fire dispatchers, three call takers, and three police dispatchers. And in the day and age of everyone calling 911 for everything, like we see more and more that we have to have at least four call takers. Gotcha. Um, so I think at some point they'll probably bump that up, but hopefully, anyway. But yeah, okay. we're definitely doing more with less, and Everything's an emergency nowadays. You call a doctor's office, and the first thing it says if this is an emergency, call 911. Well, to someone, their sub toe might be their emergency. emergency. So, so they're going to call. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's what no. we're faced with. No, I totally get it. And I can totally relate because it's what happens where I work at. You know, like we're on the truck. And for us, it's a little different. We have a, with technology now, instead of we don't necessarily have to check in route via the radio, like the mic, we can just hit a button and it says we're in route and dispatch sees it on their end. Okay, they're in route. But whenever we're trying to call for either uh, to give a size up or to, to let them know, hey, we need PD out here, it might take one or two transmissions for them to finally answer us. And for firemen, we're like, what the hell? We want to be answered now. Of course. Well, yep. We also need to remember, hey, there could be th- this this particular <clears throat> dispatch center has the whole county. So not only are they doing city calls, but they're doing county calls, sheriff, uh, EMS. So, yeah, they might be a little bit busy. So it's just something good to remember that just because they don't answer doesn't mean that they're specifically trying to ignore you. It's just the fact that they truly might be busy and just, you might just have to wait a little bit. Correct. Yeah. And I'm not ever trying to knock anyone when I say stuff like that. Cause I, honestly, I'm just as guilty. Sometimes I right. know exactly what they're doing. Cause I do it for my career. And there's still times I call, I don't hear from them. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like answer me. Like it's, it's very, sometimes those 10 seconds seem like 10 right. minutes. But... Right. Okay. No, no, t- I totally get it. Um, so it brings me to the next question. What are your ultimate goals? It can be long term, short term. Just if, if there's you know a goal in mind that you that you had. So my ultimate goals all fall under one thing, and that's to find the department or leave the department better than how I found it. Okay. And when I started, I made a list of goals that can be achieved, and I made the list to last me nine years if I do my full my full term 
And mm-hmm. I did nine years because that's realistic. So I say, hey, I'm going to come in here and I want to do this first and, you know, prioritize everything and make it work. Um, I wanted to do UHF radios, like uh, our portable radios for the members. We got those. We wanted uh, new ones installed in the rigs. We got those. Uh, work on a new liar truck. Got that underway. So things are, they're lofty goals, but there's stuff that aren't, um, they're not far-fetched goals. Um, and it's stuff that as long as you have the patience to sit there and say, hey, I have nine years to do this and work on it a little bit here and there, you can eventually hopefully achieve it. Um, so I hopefully my guys think the same thing. I like to think that I'm doing a decent job with getting stuff that they need. Um, equipment's been pretty good. I have thankfully a good board of fire commissioners that likes to work with me and they can get nitpicky on some stuff, but if I come to them with my goal and say, Hey, here's what it is. Here's what it's going to replace. Here's why it's replacing it. Here's what we're going to do with it. They're usually like, okay, well you thought this out and we'll go for it. So, um, I think that's a, that's an important thing is a lot of people come in and they want, they want their goals and they want to be like, change it now 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 and realistically you can't do that that's just going to get everyone angry um you're never going to make everyone happy but if you if you set your goals out in a timely fashion and you work towards them properly i think things will be a lot more better so at the end of the day if i can at least accomplish half of what i want to i would think that i'm leaving it better than how i found it and that would be a win for me okay uh, would you say, cause you're, you're currently an assistant chief now, would you Correct. say one of your goals would be to be the chief <clears throat> of your department? Yeah, hundred percent. It, um, it's funny cause growing up, I was always like, eh, I don't really want to be a chief. Like, I don't want to be tied to the vehicle kind of say, or anything like that. And all the admin stuff comes with it, but you get to be the rank of captain and, in our department, when the, one of the chiefs are away, you get the car and you kind of become like the acting chief almost. Mm-hmm. So you get that. And it's like, all right, maybe I do want to try this out. And now I'm at the point that, well, if once I'm in the chief's line, there's no sense I'm not going to the top spot. So, I mean, I have, you know, four years left until I could be completely done overall. So I might as well just finish it out. So, yeah, that's definitely in the in the goal list. Okay. Um. And just because, so let's just say you do make it the chief and you do, I think you said three consecutive terms. Yeah. So we do one year terms for up to three years. So oh, I can, I can be the spot for three guys, for three, three, years. three years. Yeah. All right. And then after that, you have to let it go. And then you go, do you go, I guess, I don't want to say like back down the ranks and then back yeah, up. You kind of become um, a lot of guys in our firehouse, you just kind of take your back seat and enjoy life again, you know, going uh-huh. to the fires or uh-huh. you, you know, you kind of become the seated chauffeur almost. Okay. And you get like that respect, like, Hey, past chief's going to drive or whatever. And for me, once I'm done, I'll probably take some time off, you know, kind of just hang out and enjoy life a little bit, but I'm looking forward to just getting right back to the back seat. Like I don't need to drive. Just let me be there. As I said, it goes back earlier. Like, to be that guy that the young guys can look up to mm-hmm. and kind of see them enjoying it. Like I would get thrills out of that. So, <clears throat> so it's not, it's not far fetched to say you could, you could essentially go from the bottom to the chief 
go back down and back to the chief again, correct? Yeah. Yeah. The guy we have in car one now, he was chief when I was younger, and that's how I like got into the fire service. Okay. And he was out for a few years and he's back in now. So it can okay. it all depends how that happens and who you have lined up. Um we have a decent amount of officers, so hopefully that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> okay. But um but it could happen essentially, yes. Okay. Um and with that with your department is there any sort of um um leadership curriculum or anything that you guys do to get your guys ready for like after captain for that chief's role so there currently is not um with the operating guidelines i created i wanted to make something that says you know you have to follow the state classes so by the time you get the chief, you have to have fire officer one, stuff like that, and let the state's curriculum handle what we need to know. Okay. Um, I also have two lieutenants who I've kind of been talking to, and they're interested in making a presentation just for our department for new for officers who are just brand new or they want to be officers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to kind of take that lead, and it'll be cool because it, it won't cover too much fire aspect but it'll mm-hmm. cover alarm panels paperwork and stuff that to be an officer you really have to kind of understand right. um so that's that but hopefully that'll all fall into place eventually okay all right cool all right because you know i mean uh, nowadays you know some departments are trying are doing like um uh officer developments or or things of that nature uh does your department have like a um a, a probie book, uh, like something they have to do to get our probation besides state requirement. So each company kind of has their own. Um, there's percentages you have to make for like calls and stuff like that mm-hmm. to, in, in order to be listed as a completing your probationary period. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the captain in our firehouse actually has like a test per se that he kind of hands out to the probies and it's nothing crazy. It's just, knowing your radio channels, knowing your apparatus, where equipment is and stuff like right, that. Right. Um, and then a lot of it is just kind of like what we see during the firehouse. Are you willing to be the first one to take the trash out, you know, or step up? Or if you see the chief sitting there, you know, washing a rig or something like that, are you walking up to him and saying, Hey, can I have this hose? I'll, I'll take care of this for you. Um, so again, we don't really have the issues with that. Sometimes you do, but to be honest with you, People who aren't going to make their probation usually flake out before that time even comes anyway. Gotcha. So we never really have to worry about it. Okay. All right. Um, in your opinion, what key elements or factors do you think are needed to make a good firefighter, regardless of rank? Um, never stop training. Um, so have you never stop training, and that goes from basics to technical level courses. Um, you're never too good to know job things are always changing in the job uh there's nothing more that angers me than when i see the guy who's like oh i've been for 15 years and now i'm gonna go be a chief or a captain or whatever and he hasn't taken a training class in like six years because i'm the captain i've already been well things change you know um and in addition to that i think the respect level still needs to be there um no matter your rank. So I don't just want you to respect the chief because he's a chief, but respect everyone that's working around you too. Mm-hmm. We're all there for the same reason. So I think if you can 
come into the fire service, um, respect everyone around you and keep up with your training. I think that's a, a good start for you to really be groomed into a good firefighter. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to ask, but I think I kind of know where you're going to, what your answer is going to be. Favorite apparatus manufacturer. <laughs> so it's tough because I really like Seagrave. Okay. We have never, we have never had a Seagrave in our district that okay. I'm aware of since I've been in any way. Uh-huh. Um, we're a big Pierce fleet. Right. Um, at the end of the day, when it comes down to us getting apparatus, it pretty much, if you don't have a Pierce or a Seagrave, don't even bother submitting your stuff to us. Um, we're getting a new tower ladder delivered next year. Um, we went with Pierce. We were talking with Seagrave also, but unfortunately we have some height restrictions and stuff that they just couldn't make work. And which was awesome for them because he came flat out. He just was like, Hey, look, like, we can't make this work. And I appreciate Seagrave for that because some part or some companies probably could have dragged you along a little bit mm -hmm. and they weren't like that. So um, it's definitely probably a Pierce or a Seagrave though. We've had decent luck with our Pierces. Um, town next to us just got a ladder truck. It's a Seagrave. It's absolutely gorgeous. They love it. So um, I would definitely say Pierce and Seagrave though. Okay. All right. No problem. No problem. Uh, and how often, uh, what's the life cycle that you guys, that your department does for your, for your trucks? When do you, or the question pretty much, when do you replace your frontline pieces? Uh, usually anywhere between 15 to 20 years. Okay. Depending right. on how often it gets used. Um, we just replaced our engines in 2018 and. They were going to do one a year for three years, and we just all decided on the fact of, you know what, let's get three, make them triplets. If you're a driver on one, you're a driver on all of them because they're identical, and that's what we kind of went with. And for the most part, they're even all set up the same. So if you're from this house, you go to the other firehouse, the location of the equipment might not be the exact spot, but the compartment is pretty much on point. Okay. So. Okay. <clears throat> Can you imagine now buying triplets? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. This, it's, it's crazy. The turnaround time and the pricing is just, it's nuts. Dude, it's my, I, I love talking to people regarding this. It's mind blowing. <clears throat> the, the amount of money an engine is now in 2023. Hell, I, I, yep. I, I can't wait to see what it's, what it's going to be in 2025. But yeah, we uh, got, we got our three engines for like, a little shy of $2 million. And to hear now that like one of them is just about at a million dollars. It's crazy, price. right? Yeah. I'm just like, that is insane <clears throat> yeah. for a fire engine. Yep. Man. It's, it's crazy. And if we don't, we're not bells and whistles kind of department. Like we'll okay. have our Q siren. Right. But like inside, like it's a fire truck. Like I don't need to be like, an RV, you know? Right. So, and it's right. So, so much money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you got these departments that put the bells and whistles on it and it's like, bro, what was the price tag on that thing? Yeah. It's dude. It's nuts. It's nuts. Uh, okay. Um, what would you say to those hungry, eager, motivated firefighters who are, who feel like they're being surrounded or held back by a, a either, either a complacent culture or an unmotivated organization? Uh, the first thing I would definitely say to someone like that is it's okay to love a job. 
and don't let bad motivation from leadership make you feel like it's not okay to love the job. Um, you see sometimes, like we always joke around people like, oh, you're a buff, you're a buff, stuff like that. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there's some departments that I see that are telling their kids like, yeah, you're way too interested in this. And I think there's nothing worse to kill a fire service than telling someone who's into the job that. If you're into the job, like be into the job, be good at it. Um, and if your officers aren't going to give you that kind of support, continue on your way and maybe a new member comes in and they pick up your love of the job from you. And now all of a sudden there's two of you with this love of the job and just ask questions. Just keep that. That's really it. It's just keep up the love for the job. Don't let anyone, you know, tell you that you're too interested into something that you have a passion for. It's, and that goes for really anything in life, really. Right. Right. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and with you being a chief, a uh, chief officer, my question for my newest question for chief officers is do you believe communication amongst the ranks is a must for a department to succeed? hundred percent, hundred percent. Because even in my department now we have group messages and still sometimes things fall through the cracks and it's mm-hmm. nothing worse than like, Oh, well he said this. Oh, well this one told me this way. And it's just communication is key on a fire scene behind the scenes in every aspect of it and i think it's one thing that people over overlook a lot um things run a lot more smooth when you do have the communication right um that's why i try to be like you know i'll send an email out to someone that really has nothing to do with what i'm sending out but at least they know about it right and there's a communication aspect there so right which is good, which is good because, you know, you have some organizations that will only communicate to like specific ranks, which leaves out whenever somebody hears, oh, I didn't know about this. And it's not because, well, to me, it's kind of like, oh, well, and it all depends on the situation. If it's like a personnel issue, yes, you definitely only wanted to keep it to certain individuals. But if it's a uh, an issue that can affect the whole department, I think. Everybody Correct. should be included. <clears throat> yep. And we get stuff like that. Like I'll send an email out to the captains and sometimes I'll have a lieutenant say, well, can you send that out to everyone? Because the captain's not sending it. And it's a fault of mine for not sending it to the officers too. But at the same time, like I always have the feeling of like, if I'm saying to the captain, I should be trusting you enough to pass this on to your guys. I shouldn't right. have to send it out to everyone. Right. I'm going down the chain of command. Here. So, um, it falls on both a little bit and I get it. You know, we're volunteers. So sometimes it's an email out guys are at work. They're busy and it just slips your mind. Right. So, right. But Okay. All right. Um, and in your opinion, what do you think the American fire service can improve on? <laughs> Aggressiveness. <laughs> um, but you gotta, you nowadays you gotta watch that. We know that word people say gets overused. So correct. Yeah. So like when I say aggressive, aggressiveness i'm meeting like for our actual operations some people take it as like meeting oh let's go be you know big cocky assholes and right right whatever um there's two posts that i always see on instagram um and it always makes me make me laugh and think about it because the one is it's a picture of a guy going into a window to do a search and it says this is not a hobby and i couldn't agree more with that like yeah, it's something to do in your spare time as your volunteer, but at the end of the day, you're volunteering to go help someone on their worst the worst day of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so you should definitely be training for it. Right. And the other one that always makes me laugh is 
everyone wants to be a gangster until it's time to do gangster, do gangster shit. shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Everyone wants to go ride the fire truck. Everyone wants to look pretty on it until you pull up to the fire and there's fire rolling above your head, and then it's all like, oh, I don't, right. I don't want to go in there. Like, right. no, like go inside, get your ass in there. Um, and when I say like aggressiveness, I mean like the the interior attacks. Like I. The last few years, you see more and more people saying, oh, we can't go in there. Like, well, why can't you go in there? Mm-hmm. And you hear a lot of the, oh, well, no one's home. Well, do you know no one's home? Exactly. Because I didn't go in there and check that. So, right. um, And they're like, oh, well, it's dangerous. Well, yeah, firefighting is dangerous. So, like, yeah. hit, hit me with something. I'm going to come back at you with something else. Um, so I think that needs to be addressed a little bit. And the FDIC... Speaker note was definitely the keynote speaker. That was definitely a little yeah. into the right direction there. I think everyone liked that. Um, yeah. So, but I think that's that's what needs to be like. A lot of times we see fire departments go to these jobs, and it's all oh great job, great job, pat yourselves on the back. And in fact, like you really didn't do a great job. Yeah, you're right. Like. Uh, everyone goes home except for the homeowner is like a real thing. And I get yeah. it. Sometimes you get there and there is nothing you can do about it. Correct. 100% it's going to happen. Correct. But the homeowner shouldn't not be going home because you got there and decided to fight it from the outside. Mm-hmm. You know, Muhammad Ali didn't win boxing matches from the outside of the ring. If you want to win, you got to go inside. Um, so the aggressiveness is definitely, I think, a big thing. Um, I'm one of those guys. I'm, if if I have firemen in my scene and they're telling me they think they can make a push and get in there, go ahead. You're the guy that's right at that door. You think that that you can do it? I'm going to trust your judgment because you're my guys and I trust you. So <clears throat> that's I think is a is a big thing lately. Okay. No, I would agree. Uh, the, the word aggressiveness definitely that whole mindset, and I believe as long as you have officers, whether it's chief officers, line officers on the truck that pull up. Complete your 360, formulate what you got, look at what you got and go, okay, uh, I got fire. And, well, let me back up. I think a lot, I think the term fully involved gets used wrong oh, because the you'll, worst. you'll pull up and you'll hear an officer say, whether it's some, whatever fire department you're from, uh, yeah, a single story residential structure fully involved, but yet you have two windows that don't have fire coming out of it yet. You haven't Correct. done your 360 to see the backside of the, the or the seaside, or some departments will call it the three side because some departments use numbers instead of letters. Yeah, we use numbers, yeah. Okay. Um, yep. You know, that side, there, there's nothing. It's clear, but you're pulling up because you're only seeing two sides. And you're yeah. going fully involved. That term gets overused. And yes, I, as you stated, Cars in the driveway, that that can mean somebody's home. But nowadays, right. some people work from home, but also there are families that have multiple cars. Right. So, and yeah, the I biggest... got to tell you, fully involved is so overused in my county. It is. It is. It's crazy. It's, it's, I know, you know, some chiefs, like they always say, like, oh, if you want to do good size up, like write it out ahead of time so it's always in your car. I swear guys must have fully involved written on. Like, <laughs> you'd you be paging out and I pull up on scene of mutual aid fire. Where's where? How is this fully involved? Like, right. There's a whole side of a house here that's completely fine. Right. Sometimes, yeah, you get it. It's actually fully involved. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. Yes. But yeah. I don't. 
I think sometimes it's just I have a group chat with some guys from the next town over, and we always joke around like, "Oh, fully involved." We always put it in quotations, like because right. you never actually, right? Never really know. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But right, it's so. definitely a word that's over it, misused. I would say because it's not, it's not accurate. And the whole thing of us playing God by, oh, you know, hey, if someone's in there, well, it's or or though the best I love is when dispatch is like possible vacant and man takes it as vacant and they're like hey you don't have to worry about doing a search it's vacant who says it's vacant we have Correct. to say it's vacant right we always say something 912 like everyone's like oh how's this sound or how's it look for sound you know whatever i'm like i don't have any windows in my center so i can't see like i'm telling you what someone's telling me right uh, one of the towns in our county years ago had a, a structure fire they lost a kid in it unfortunately but the kid was at a sleepover um, ended up coming home, didn't tell the parents. Parents and the other sibling are out of the house. Is everyone out? Yeah, they're out. Okay, everyone's out of the house. Now, they still went in, did a search like they should and stuff like that, which is obviously how a child was found. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it was too late, so it wouldn't have changed anything. But mm-hmm. the point of my story is some departments might have taken that from the family and been like, all right, we're not going to go in. Exactly. Yes, you cannot dictate words like vacant um, or, oh, everyone's out. And then the incident command gets on the radio alerting everybody coming in. Hey, everybody's out. No, you need to not do it because that lowers everybody's tempo where it's like, oh, okay, well, everybody's out. Like, we're good to go. Exactly. Listen to the homeowner, ask questions, but take it upon yourself to go in, do a quick search, do a methodical search, tactical search, smart search, as I say, because like, you know, a lot of aggressive departments get that, get that mantra or that mentality of, oh, no, if it's a calculated risk that you do when you're a fireman, you look at the situation, if you got to do a quick VES, get in the window, find the door, make sure it's shut or open it real quick, look out, do your search through the through the room or whatever and then get the hell out like that's it's calculated it's a risk everything's a risk because you can do everything right on the fire ground and still have something bad happen you know 100 percent. and to what i was saying earlier about like patting yourselves in the back you did a good job even if you did actually do a good job there should always be something you can take away that you can be like i could do this better exactly like no matter what it's never, ever going to be perfect. I don't care what anyone says. Um, but there's plenty of times we do critiques after our own fires. Mm-hmm. And even me, I'm like, all right, I could have done this way better. Like, I'll call on scene, I'll do my size up, and I'll be playing it in my head the entire way there. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally call it and give it, I forget to do something. I'm like, oh, like I should have done this better. And things went out well. You know, Homer still had the house, and no one got hurt. Fire went out, so it went well. But there's always that little thing that you can improve on i think it's important for firemen to find those before they can Absolutely. say hey yeah we did a great job like hey we could have done this better but this did happen well so we're, we're good with this right right no and that's that's a great way to look at it yes you you put the fire out but there's always something that you could have done better whether that's you could have sa- shaved 10 seconds off by learning how to put on your mask and stuff with your gloves on right something you know, yeah something so I I I totally I totally get it. I definitely get it. Um, yeah, definitely is no, no denying that at all. Uh, trying to see if I have all my questions that I wanted to ask you. 
Um, well, actually, while I have you here, being an assistant chief and wanting to have an aggressive culture within your fire department. And I know most chiefs, the worst thing they want is a line of duty death. Does that play a factor when making a decision on the fire ground for your department? Um, to an extent, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> because it's kind of, this will probably get some people angry at some points, but at the same point in time, like, yeah, you don't want to lose a fireman, but how do I tell someone that, oh, I put his life ahead of your sister's life who is in that fire? Like, you know, like, right. I have a better chance of him still being safe, but at least making that God's honest attempt to go in there and do what we're, we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you hate it. Um, it's, if you ever seen the documentary Brotherhood, the FDNY one that was done in squad companies after 9-11, mm-hmm. in the very beginning of the speech of Proby School, the captain says something along the lines of, yep. you know, good firemen die. Like, that's, it's unfortunately the job, and you don't want to see it, and I don't want it to ever happen on my watch. But at the end of the day, it's it's what happens. Like, it's, you don't want to say, hey, you don't want to accept it, I guess, per se, but I'm sure you can agree with me that it's, it's going to, ha- like, it happens. It's, yeah. And if it happens on my watch, I'm going to be probably pretty messed up about it because I'll be running it in my head of, like, what could have changed and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you're going through it and it happens and someone did what they were doing, and that's what it is. Like, right. I just have a hard time telling someone that, I didn't want to save your person because my guys didn't want to die or however you can word that politically correctly. Right. No, I, I I totally get what you're saying. Totally understandably hundred percent understand what, what what you're saying. And and it it is one of the harsh realities are, and I think this is why the fire service now is trending the way it is, because I think a couple of years ago for however many years we were starting to put ourselves over the citizen, like, uh, we're more important, so we're not right. going to go in there. And I was actually telling this, discussing this with a coworker of mine yesterday at work. I don't know of any fireman that wakes up, whether you do this career volunteer that wakes up in the morning and you go, you know what? You know, I want to die today. Like, that's right. not what we do. We no. we want to, every fireman's wish, and I, I mean, if you say, if you say <clears> no, <throat> this is not one of my wishes, you're a, you're a liar. I mean, so <laughs> this is why I say this. Every fireman, every true fireman that loves a job would love to have at least a grab in their career to say, hey, man, we're doing something. I heard a scream. I found a lady or I found a boy, whatever. I pulled them out. They are alive today. That is like the Super Bowl for firemen. Of course. You know, 100 percent. So if, yep. if, if there's a fireman out there that says, oh, no, that's not you're a liar. You're lying to yourself. Right. Like, yep. like let, let, let's be real. Let's stop. And so, I've never. I don't think anyone walks in, like you said, like, oh, like I'm going to die today. Right. But I definitely do think, I don't even think people even think about that going to a building. No. I I definitely think that people are like, I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that if something does happen to this person, I know deep down that I did what I could do. Right. You gave it to all. Correct. Yep. Everything else. Yep. At the end of the day, 
just like I say firemen die, it's the same thing on there on the civilian side of it. Unfortunately, people die and tragedies happen, and that's that's just how it is. Yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely, it is. Um. So yeah, no, that was one of my questions. Uh, I've always kind of, which I I, I kind of figured the answer because I kind of put myself if I was in a chief's position uh, of a department, you know, the decisions I, I make, I want to I want them to be informed, tactical, and and right through training and education. But at the end of the day, we have to do what we promised, what we tell our communities that we will do for them. Correct. So, and I, um, I got to trust, you know, like I said earlier, again, you trust your guys not to be stupid either. Obviously, there's going to be some situations where you physically cannot walk into that building. If it's truly fully involved and you know if there is any life in there, you can look at it and be like, all right, well, this is probably going to be a loss. But if I have my guys sitting there and they're at the door and he's telling me, hey, I can get a hit on this. I can do this. You know what? I trust your training. I know what you're doing. I know you're thinking level-headed. Have at it. And then if they make success, they have success. And if not, they'll cut on radio and say, hey, we're trying what we can, but we're going to have to back out. Back out. That's it. All right. Like, yeah. As long, as long as my guys go in there and they do truly to the best of their ability, I'm good with it. Okay. All right. Well, we're good there. Um, but, Tom, it's been great. Uh, it's been a good, good conversation. Definitely, Absolutely. we hit a, we hit a lot of different a uh, lot of different topics within the service as well. Um, is there anything else you'd like to, you know, let other firemen know before, uh, we, before we end? No, nah, pretty much. That's pretty much it. Just uh, anyone can get me on Instagram, and I'm part of the the Firehouse Tribune, which I run with uh, Nick Higgins. Uh, he's a fireman out of New Jersey, so we do some blogs and articles, and we have our own podcast and stuff, which we're definitely going to have you on at some point. Um, and like I said, I'm on Instagram, which I'm sure you'll tag my stuff on here. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and anyone who wants to reach out, like I said, I love, I love hearing the young crowd or anyone that's into the fire service. I'm always willing to talk shop and just be in there. Fire nerd. Fire nerd is not a negative thing. Like some people think it is. No, it's not. It's cool to be a fire nerd. Correct. Yeah. I will sit here and like on my day off, I will watch fire videos and I don't care. Like, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, no, you can learn fine. from it. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely can. I mean, there, and there's yep. a lot of good stuff out there, man. I saw one yesterday. By the time this episode airs, it's going to be uh, a little late, a little later. But uh, Claymont, uh, out of Delaware, they oh. had a hell of a video of a house fire right behind their station, and they got yep. there. And, Great music too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know they did what they did. And another right. topic that by the time this plays will be a little old. The captain in Fort Lauderdale that has been chastised by the safety fire police who, I don't know if you've seen the picture, came in as a structure fire, possible entrapment. I think he said they arrived third due, were pulling a second line, and he saw a wheelchair through the door. And there was Uh pretty heavy fire involvement, but what you didn't see was his. he said his guy was right behind him. Click away, and I think he was getting ready to get water in the line, and he just quickly searched nothing and came back out but oh lord it was one of these of crazy debates but here. that's the thing like you know i mean that guy went there and he did what he needed to do to make sure the job got done right right he's putting someone else's life there behind and, you know i'm all for that i'm all for it and I'm, right. I'm the same thing a big conversation we have up here sometimes is especially up in 
our volley land up here. You know, you're the fire chief. You pull up on scene of a fire. It's possible entrapment. Like, are you keeping command? Telling you, are you going to stay you, in your car? Yeah. Or are yeah. you going to go? Like, uh-huh. I'm personally going to go inside. Like, I'll read a dispatch. Hey, I got entrapment. I have no units here. So, listen up. Like, so I, it's, I just, it's, it's nothing for you to get out of the buggy, put your gear on, because I'm sure you have an air pack in the back. Yes. And, air pack uh, and a housing. Okay, and you can yep. go and do work. I mean, you can you can yeah. definitely assist with before you before any other units get there, you know, in doing something. So that's awesome. Yeah, at an actual fire, I always feel the chief should be dressed anyway. Okay. Um, I kind of feel like it's a a respect thing for my men. Uh huh. If I'm like, I don't get dressed every fall, so I'm not going to say I do like fire alarms, stuff like that. But if right. we're at a working incident or a working fire or something like that, like if I expect my men to be dressed, then I should be at least in that too for m- multiple reasons. Um, if it's a hot summer day and I'm staying behind my car doing command stuff and I'm warm, those guys are definitely warm. So maybe I need mm-hmm. to start thinking about you know, switching them out, making sure they're okay and hydrated and stuff like that for their safety levels. Right. So there's more to it that just goes but looking around. But at the same time, I should also be ready to go to work if case something happens. Okay. I have coordinators at my chief's car and stuff like that that the county sends for all fires. So okay. if something goes wrong, I should be ready to go to work if I need to. Right. Right. Okay. No, I like that. I like because um and this is not trying to throw any shade towards any organization or chief that does this, but I, I like how you said it. If if you're outside with your command board and everything else and you're warm, shit, my guys might be warm. But right. what does that say to a department that has a chief officer that they pull up there? It's 95 out. They're in the buggy, got the air conditioner on, windows up. They're doing their thing, but it's a little different because you're in a air conditioned <clears throat> environment. You know, you can control the climate, but it's, it's hot out. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying like chiefs out there that, you know, they forget about their guys. There's some chiefs that are on it, but it's w- which one's which one, which one's better. Staying in the car or staying out the car. Right. And I, to be honest with you, I think they probably both have benefits because there's times sometimes like I'd want to stay in the car because I have no one else around. Now it could just be me thinking. Mm-hmm. And for someone who's in their car and they have a command board in there, their command board for all we know might have some part where it has like swap guys out. So Absolutely. they might get, get down to that point and he can do that automatically while still being in his vehicle. Um, he's got less people talking to him. He might even be in his car taking it. And he might have two operational chiefs somewhere else in the fire ground that are mm-hmm. doing in their gear what he might be able to do otherwise. So right, I right. think they both have their um, pros and cons, I'd imagine. Absolutely, absolutely. And like I said, it's it's not it's not a it's not a, a throwing shot at any chief that does that. No. But it's one of the questions which which is. It'd be interesting to hear, you know, what which is better, staying in the car because of I don't have to listen to somebody coming up to me going, hey, 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 we're here or whatever, or is it better to be outside looking in, you know, outside in I, the elements with, with the rest of your department? I think it kind of falls into if you have good placement, you're sitting in your car and you can look and you have a department that's very well put together and guys get on scene and they know that they don't go to the command post. They go to wherever their 
liaison is for manpower. Mm-hmm. If it's set up solid like that, there might not be a reason for it. He, he might not have any reason to have to be out of his car because he has other chiefs in the county or battalion or whatever they do that can operate that way. Okay. Um, I kind of wish we did that in my county. So, like, we call mutual aid, the chiefs go, and they're just kind of free roaming um, unless the home department puts them to work or, or gives them some kind of task. I wish on a dispatcher aspect that I can page out the home department for a fire and then the mutual aid department. And if the mutual aid department's chief calls on, I wish I had a run list. So I could be like, all right, you know, assistant chief for so-and-so, you're going to be the safety officer for this, for this fire, or you're going to be in charge of the writ team or whatever. But that's not how we operate, unfortunately. So, <laughs> well, you know, you never know. I mean, you might spark something with that. The might person, the right person might hear this and be like, Hey, you know what? He's got a, He's got something. He's catching on to something. Let's let's see where yeah. it goes. Yep. Just kind of hand out the assignments. This way everyone gets there. They know what they're doing. Right. Right. So. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Um, but like I said, yeah, this has been good talk. I appreciate having you on. Um, I appreciate you having me. I'm definitely going to give a shout out to uh, Orange County, Rockland County. Um, those are the two counties I know of uh, as a former Rockland, Rockland County native. Um, <clears throat> I know how... Uh, the fire services over there. We, uh, I know yeah. Rockin's 44 control. What's Orange County called? 36. 36. Okay. Yep. Or they just call Orange I one. I got a little, uh, that guy's from Pearl River up there. So they have, okay. uh, yeah, I see yeah. his, uh, his shield department 12 over there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They all have right. some kind of page called Where's Travis and they got stickers of them made and they're all over the world. And so I have one here in my office. I know okay. them personally, so it's funny. So. Okay. So, um, so actually, before I leave, this was funny. So uh, the department I'm on, I've been on there for I'm on my 16th year. And recently, I want to say he's maybe got two years, maybe getting getting on two years. But anyways, through a person, through a person, through another person, um, I asked somebody to be a guest on, on my show. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And then they showed this individual, hey, just they're doing their background on me. Do you know this guy? And they're like, Oh yeah, I work with this guy. He he works for he works for the same department I do. Long story short, this guy who I know of that just got on, he used to be the fire chief for Pearl River Fire Department. I'm like, Pearl really? River, what? They're like, Pearl River in Rockin County. I'm like, Pearl River with the yellow fire trucks? They're like, Yeah. Good old Excelsiors. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. And so they were like, uh, yeah. So I actually sent him a text. I'm like, bro, I knew you were from New York, but I never knew you were from Rockland County. I'm like, how small of a world is that? Yeah, it's crazy. So it's so yeah. crazy the amount of small world stuff that you see nowadays. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't um I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is a it's a small world that this this dude's on. Um he used to be with 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 you know. It's rocking, but anyways, yeah. Um, uh, like I said, appreciate having you on, and um, uh, thanks for having me, Danny. Appreciate it. If you know anybody else, you know, send them my way, you know, share it out whenever when, when your episode releases, and um, yeah, definitely was good. Good talk, absolutely. All right, stay on here after we uh, after we get done for to wrap up. Yep, all right. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.